Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hello and welcome to this special episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by two of my favorite true crime podcasters, the hosts of the Pitch of the Scene podcast. It's Rachel and Andy. Hello there. Hi, how's it going? It's going very averagely. How about for you? <laughs> I am sparkling. Thank you very much. Good hey, Adam. All hey, good. Rachel. How are you doing? All good here. Thank you. And thanks for having us. No, it's a pleasure. So the, the reason that we are talking today, you very kindly agreed to answer some of my questions, really about starting a true crime podcast, how you're finding it so far, and we'll see how we get on from there. If that's okay with you? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So how did you actually meet and why did you decide to start a true crime podcast? Rachel tells this story well, so I'll let you jump in on this one, Rachel. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, Andrew and I uh, hadn't been working together too long, but we found uh, we had a common interest, didn't we, in podcasts and, and you know, television, like shows, like documentaries. And one day uh, we were chatting, something work-related, and I'd I'd said to Andrew, oh, I'm about to head out for a walk, um, but I've, I've just finished my, my favourite podcast. It was Serial, um, which I absolutely love, Sarah Koenig. And um, and yeah, so I was like really stuck for something to listen to. And he recommended two podcasts, uh, the first being UK True Crime um, and the second being Seeing Red. So, Seeing Red? Never heard of it. Is that a podcast? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I downloaded both. And when I got back from my walk, I, uh, I said to him, yeah, they were epic. Thank you very much. And I proceeded to like basically because there was so much in the back catalogue I just listened to like more of the more recent episodes and then that was a a natural discussion point for us on on calls uh we would we would chat um in work time about like what episodes we liked and what crimes and then yeah one day Andrew said oh I've recorded my own show would you would you take a listen and I said oh yeah, absolutely love to, which I did, and I loved it, and I and I said to him, love the show, and he he said, oh, come be on it one time, and I was like, amazing, um, so I did, I joined him for an episode, and uh, I I guess they say the rest is history. Yeah, you've never left since, have you? you? Joined for one, and you're still here a couple of years later. Yeah, exactly. It's been it's been amazing, and and because it has been so organic, like none of it's ever forced. Um, it's it's been an epic journey to be on, but. Uh, yeah, we've we've obviously, aside from true crime, our friendships grow and we've realised we we have a lot more in common, don't we? We talk about we all do, sorts yeah. now before we record, obviously. Our listeners don't want to hear us talking about the internet of daily life. <laughs> you yeah. say that. That's that's an interesting point, isn't it? 
do they? Because a lot of podcasters get criticism for maybe talking too much. But personally, I like a bit of personality. I like to know what my podcasters are doing with their lives. What do you think? Well, yeah, I, you know, I agree. I think it depends on the style because if you warm to them and you feel like they're being genuine, then yes. I mean, you know, some podcasts may put a fake personality on and you can't warm to them, so it grates at you a little bit. But a great example, actually, is a couple of days ago, I popped up on our Patreon a little two-minute segment that I cut out from one of the episodes when I was editing it about scones or scones, depending on where you're from. I said, here, this is a controversial question. What do you guys think of this? And I actually had like feedback saying, you should never cut that stuff out. It's fascinating. Keep it in there. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it's important, and I guess our listeners do too. But uh, So we keep most of it in. Some of it we don't keep in, but yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. And I, I have to stop myself, really, because it's so easy to go on tangents all the time, isn't it? And you have to... Especially I find during the bulk of the story, that's where I think you really have to focus on just telling the story. It's so easy because we all think we're comedy geniuses, right? Yeah. You do it really well, though, Adam. And oh, like, Rachel. No, really, the way you tell a story. And like, I, I don't know whether I could do that and not, not bounce off Andrew. Like, I find myself kind of, you know, seeking reassurance from him that he's following the you know the story i'm telling but you you set the scene and, and really kind of like give us um, the ins and outs of that really well on on your own like i very much admire it that's years of watching alan partridge but uh let's move let's <laughs> move on rapidly so so tell me what what sparks both of your interests in true crime and are there any cases in particular that you'd like to share with us actually what sparks is two different answers to this question so i've always liked since i was young like reading the newspaper before the internet existed about uh, crime and watching documentaries. But I actually, the podcast, I, I only used to listen to a football podcast, a fantasy football podcast. And I accidentally found, when I was searching for more, Twisted Britain. You know Twisted Britain? Oh, yeah. Bob and yeah, Ali. Bob and Ali. And by accident, because I wasn't looking for true crime, and I gave it a listen. And that's what hooked me into true crime podcasts. Bob, it was Bob and Nadine back then, but it's Bob and Ali now. But yeah, um, that's what hooks me into True Crime Podcast. So so that's what sparks my interest in, in the podcast side of things. But no, I've always found it fascinating, the actual the crime details. But he always used to be, I used to enjoy like on a Sunday going to buy like, a newspaper or two and opening them up and just spending a while reading them. But obviously now we know a lot of that information on the newspapers was either biased or completely wrong, but it was fascinating at the time. Well, if... If you stick to the Sunday sport, then at least you know what you're getting is for top quality journalism, Andy, isn't it? How about you, Rachel? So I think from a very young age, I was really interested in Crime Watch. Like, um, and I know that a number of UK podcasters in the true crime uh, arena talk about this, but I, I was really like a big fan of, of Crime Watch. And I just felt like it was so informative and I felt like you were diving into these cases that otherwise you may not have known anything about. And I specifically remember the Jill Dando case on Crime Watch, obviously because she was the presenter. And I'd always kind of seen um, there to be a, a difference between the people that were on the show presenting and the people that were committing the crimes. Yeah. And then, you know, 
for the for one of their show hosts to have been murdered the way that she was i was like fascinated um and wanted to know so much more um so yeah that's what kind of like led me into um knowing more and then obviously you get the opportunity to watch documentaries and listen to podcasts on specific cases i love these limited series pods that um you know like proper hone in on a specific case and give you the kind of detail that you wouldn't ordinarily get from like a a 30 minute or an hour long episode um the likes that your listeners and our listeners would would come to us for um so yeah that's kind of just gripped me and i don't think i'll ever get tired of it like uh, yeah i love it so that's interesting because i like a lot of those as well but frankly there are so many adverts on so many of those shows i find them unlistenable too what are your thoughts I guess, you know, I was listening to the podcast that I absolutely love the host and I love the podcast, but I actually had to stop listening because it went from a 30 minute podcast to, I actually timed it the very last one I listened to. I think it was about 14 or 15 minutes actual podcast. And then it was adverts talk, adverts talk, and then like three minutes of music at the end. And I just thought, yeah, adverts. I've not answered your question there, have I, Adam? But, um, oh, you have. You have answered. Because we understand as podcasters that they need to raise money, particularly those that are full-time. But when there are so many adverts, it takes all the fun out of the show for me. Yes. Yeah, and I think there are different ways. I mean, I, I listen to some quite big podcasts like with you know hundreds of thousands of listeners that have got different content. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, you get the opportunity to properly just enjoy their content and you you pay for the privilege right um but but there are other pods that uh, don't have the patreon opportunity um that yeah are like filled with two or three ads the ads aren't even relatable to the show which really makes me feel it's a bit disingenuous and and can really like i can i can struggle with but I, i feel like we are in a world now where people think it's acceptable to like throw the ads in because you know youtube have adverts um you know some of the television streaming services now have ads obviously like major television channels like itv have ads people just think oh people are used to it but it can be incredibly frustrating that's interesting tell me this um i'm always fascinated by how people just go about putting their podcast together tell me about the writing of the podcast the recording how it works for you for myself i what i like to do and what i have is i have i initially think about a topic so it may be say domestic abuse or knife crime or something similar to that and i'll make myself i'll do some very very brief searches and I'll, i'll just make myself a list of names of either victims or perpetrators. And I leave I leave that to one side and I forget about it. And I'll go back to a previous list. And by the time I go back to a previous list, I don't really remember a lot of them. So then I'll 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 go through them and I start to almost summarize them myself. And then when one sticks out and sticks in my head as interesting, that's when I'll I do the research. I like to do the research first. So my research begins with on an evening, I'll just spend the evening while my wife is watching her TV shows. I'll spend my evening just scrolling and just reading on it. Not proper research, but just you know, doing the background stuff uh, on my phone. And then I'll spend a daytime or an early evening on a different day, actually then going into it and figuring out 
the structure of the episode. So sometimes yeah. I don't. Um, Rachel will tell you this. Sometimes it's not always exactly the same format I do it in. Mm-hmm. Like the one we've just recorded today, I wanted to heavily uh, focus on the victim. So I had very little about the actual perpetrators. So I decide which structure I think will work best. And then I do the research on those parts of structure. But as for actual writing, I struggle to write in more than one part. I've realized this now. So I'll sit down and write it from start to finish until it's finished. Otherwise, otherwise I don't think it sounds as good because I lose my, my flow. And where, where do you do that? So I know when I'm writing, I always have to have my earphones in listening to music. Do you do that, or do you need need quiet to, to concentrate? No, I can't. I can't have. I've tried music and I've tried other podcasts, but no, I actually have to have like silence. Even I've even tried having it with the football on, which I thought mm. would work, but no, I have to have silence. Otherwise, it just I find myself. Yeah, I just I just start thinking about something else, and it goes. So I have to have complete silence. What about what about you, Rach? Um, I think I'm a little bit more chaotic. Uh, I definitely don't have like a, a process, so to speak. I do a lot of discovery and research um, to find a case. Like I, I like to pick a case. Um, I, I can't just go out there and the way that Andrew does and look for a topic and then find something that fits. But yeah, I like to find so the, the victim essentially and then kind of trace it back from there. Um, I've done so many kind of early discovery pieces and and then just can the case because there's not been enough like facts out there yeah. or um or I've really struggled for like you know court documents you know in, instead of just newspaper articles um which I really really struggle with to you know get the the full picture um and then in terms of the process of writing it doesn't really matter to me if there's background noise I have a small child and um you know, lots, lots of go- lots of things going on in the house all the time. So I can just kind of zone in uh, when I'm ready to write. But I do put pressure on myself when I sit down that I, I know that's going to be me for like a three or four hour block. Um, and then I'll kind of pause it, come back to it the next evening or or the following day and, and see where I'm at again. And, uh, and Andrew will vouch for the fact that I'm very particular in my writing. So my my script um, I always make sure that like I've got everything there and I'm comfortable with that. I pre-read and reread again um, so that everything sounds right. Um, so, yeah, when we did a shared episode um, to start off season three, um, I shared the script with Andrew. And it was the first time you'd actually properly seen my writing, really, wasn't it, Andrew? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And I don't know about you, Adam, but when you do have to share a script, it's something very personal, isn't it? That it is. written. And you, you know, you hope that somebody else is going to understand what you're expecting them to read. And again, I I, I um, respect these shows that are co-hosted by two um, people, where one of them is always writing the script for the other. Like it's for me, that would be a massive uh, test, uh, week in, week out. Yeah, that's one thing I don't actually pre-read it after I've wrote it and Rachel always tells me off for that because I, I have to correct myself as we record it but as for recording we generally record on a Friday morning before work don't we Rachel yeah always but, early doors which yeah. is why you get a lot of us saying sorry in our pre-recorded um <laughs> yeah. why is that? it's just the time that that fits in the both of your family lives yeah because yeah. we release we release on a Tuesday we, we originally did it because we release on a Tuesday same as you Adam 
Uh, we actually now record in advance, so we now try to have two or three episodes already recorded in advance. Wow. But um, but at the time, it was so I'd have time to edit it because we used to record it on Monday, didn't we? Sometimes, or even on the Tuesday, and it was um, and it was just so much pressure trying to record it and get it out in time. So we moved to a Friday just to do that, so I'd have time to edit it, and then it would be easier to edit and then release on Tuesday. But now we're in advance. Now we do it so far in advance. We don't actually need to record on a Friday morning. It's just habit now for us. Wow, that's so good. I mean, I, I've still occasionally, not so much now I'm getting better, I tend to release now at midnight on Monday. But in the past, I've been Tuesday, 5 o'clock, still finishing the script, haven't finished it properly, then recording, and then you're tired, then something in life happens, then you're editing. And it, as you say, it's real pressure to get it out, isn't it? Because your listeners, they expect consistency, right? They do expect consistency, and I am such a um, I'm such a mouth breather, Adam. That my editing takes <laughs> such a long time because you can. Hit, I sound like um like the classic heavy breather, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So it takes a while to edit. That's something to say, actually. Um, till you started podcasting, did either of you understand the concepts of mouth noises? No. No, not at all. But what I do understand now, and, and you, I assume you agree with me here, Adam, is now when I'm looking at something like Audacity, I use Audacity and uh, Premiere Pro to edit. But when I look at Audacity, I now can see mouth noises. So I'll see one coming up before I actually hear it. I know what it looks like, the shape and the pattern. It's it's a crazy thing. The, the one that still gets me is the C's. Sometimes the C's are like, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's the way it shows us a little spike on the um, <laughs> on the bar. Yeah, no, it's it's an odd thing, but yeah, no mouth. I never understood how much I, how heavy my breathing is until I started recording. See, these are the things that us podcasters talk about when we're on our own, isn't it? Mouth noises and heavy breathing. So yes. I, th- I think it's time to move on. Let, let's talk about cases that you've covered. Because every. People often ask me what's my favourite episode or most memorable episode, and it's usually the episode that I just did last week because it's still fresh in my mind. Because all the all the shows that we produce, it's about it's so important, isn't it? Because it's a real person's life that we're talking about. But there are some that haunt you more than others. So, are there any in particular that that you really stick in your mind? Oh, it's a really good question, Adam. And uh, I'm the exact same as you. Like, I, I feel like my the the case I've just done is is probably my proudest kind of like moment, but also the case that kind of stands out the most because it's constantly I'm evolving as I'm doing this and I'm growing and we're growing as a pod. But I think the case that that stands out for me um has to be uh, the Sarah Everard case um that we did in season two, and it it was something. Um, so obviously um the the Sarah Everard. Um, murder happened before Andrew and I even met and I remember just feeling so helpless and so upset for her family and for her friends and for everyone that was impacted by such an awful case that to be able to then come and and write about it and and help people understand the implications of being a woman you know on the streets of London where you should feel safe for me it was really important to get kind of those points across and not just talk about the crime itself but the fact that you know as as a woman we are expected to 
take care of ourselves all the time, be on the ball all of the time when really we should, you know, be able to enjoy and, and feel safe in, in everything that we do. Um, so that's that's probably my case. What about you, Andrew? Uh, the ones that I'm the most proud of are the ones which we did on almost like the themed ones that I did. You know, the, I did we did one on police racism in the police. I did one on on femicide, and I did one on honor-based killings. To me, those are the ones I'm most proud of, especially the honor-based killings. I actually got to work with a charity, and I spoke to them, and it wasn't just a case of doing my own research. It was actually like conversating with them and making sure that I got their message across because they work with. Uh, victims and survivors of honor-based abuse so that was really important to me but the one which sticks at me and affected me the most was actually the very first one we recorded so the sound is not the best on it it's the the first one now in our feed but um there was do you remember that one Rachel because it affected me the most because it was a case where a girl got snatched off the street for no reason and Mm, yeah in Ireland and kidnapped and killed and um, for no reason whatsoever, it was a stranger, stranger killing. And it affected me because it was like five minutes from where I lived. And yeah. she was she was the same nationality as my wife. And it was the same street that she walked down. And the the perpetrator got killed by the police in our work car park. Wow. Um, and so I knew a lot about the case. And I remember reading the letter that the victim's mum wrote a letter to her. And it made me, even now I'm thinking about it, when I first read it, and every time since then, and even when we recorded, it brought tears to my eyes. It was so, like, so strong and powerful, mm. what she said. And because I knew a little bit of their own language as well, uh, what they speak, it was like like when she called her daughter an act, it means, like, child. And, it's, you know, it brought it home a little bit more. And it was just so, um, it was so... It touched me so much. Even now, it's touching me a little bit. But yeah, no, it's such a such a powerful case, and it's so sad. And just saying that, I think that's one of the things that touches me most in the podcast. So, I I, I always try and focus on the victims whenever I can as well. And and some of the the comments from the the family members. I mean, as I'm reading them, it it does make you very emotional. And and as you're then recording the podcast. It it does feel important, doesn't it? It feels important to get that story out there again. How often do we see, in cases we're covering and in victim impact statements, the needlessness of the crime, the unnecessary extent at which the killer or the person responsible has put the family and friends through an unimaginable amount of pain and taken the life of the victim, but also in in retelling the story through the courts and through you know awful crime scene photos I, I think they're the cases that really stick with you because I can't imagine how you know what what life looks like beyond such an awful event happening no I agree and, and also the lack of respect shown by so many of these people in courts of the families that gets me doesn't even they're laughing and sniggering yeah, or they don't turn up for sentencing. You know, once they've been found guilty, you know, they, they stay in their cell and it comes to sentencing and they don't, you know, they don't turn up and there's, there's no, like, that moment of, like, where the family can say, great, you know, you're going to prison for what you've done to my daughter or son. You know, they, they don't even have to stand there and hear it. Mm. Yeah, that's, it's really, really, uh, mm. yeah, it's just, it's just a really tough part of, of telling a story, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the 
work you do together. So has it surprised you what it's actually like producing a true crime podcast? And if so, why? I think what surprised me the most is how you can put the content out there and you can, you know, get, you know, get better, always make improvements, listen to feedback and, and, and kind of like want and, and need to get your story out there. But how difficult it is. Sorry about the noise. Um, how <laughs> difficult it is to get those listeners in and to grow uh, your listener base. Like Andrew and I have regular conversations about, you know, how we can spark some creative new new ideas and content for like, you know, new listeners and, and capture them and get them coming back week after week. But you're really at the mercy of like the podcast um, you know, a host, real um sorry, not the host, but the the place where your podcast is. Um yeah. you know, perhaps featuring you as a one off or um or something like that. It it I feel like there's an element of luck in it, Adam. And I obviously know that, you know, you've grown and oh, no, I fully agree with you. It's absolutely about luck, isn't it? Yeah. But you were one of the very first, weren't you? And your your even your podcast title's perfect, UK True Crime. Um but yeah, I feel like we are still you know really uh chomping away and i for one was quite surprised at um you know the the struggles and i i i have no uh, doubt now why people do um you know fold really and say you know we'll call it a day now because it can be um tough at times can it and it's a lot of work isn't it it's a lot of work for sometimes when you're not seeing the growth in listeners we all plateau don't we in certain stages it can be quite exasperating really and you think is this really a good use of my time right yeah and luckily like I'm so grateful to Andrew because he does all the producing I I really just turn up and and get the best bits uh in writing and 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 listening and kind of being there to to give my thoughts and opinions but like I love it and I don't think I'll ever get tired of writing you know I'm quite a creative person anyway but uh, but yeah, Andrew and I have said, you know, when when the time comes for him, like I'm at his mercy, like if he, if he gets bored of reducing those mouth noises and, uh, you know, <laughs> editing out my inappropriate conversations. <laughs> and what about you, Andrew? How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, no, it's, I echo everything what Rachel said. What I found the most surprising is how it affects, like, how it's affected, because we do it together, so you you probably don't quite, how this is you can do it yourself adam but it's made uh well <laughs> that's not a pun but yes um, that's uh, that's it's made it's by doing this together it's made i would say mine and rachel we've created a friendship because of this haven't we i would say i i i, I now consider rachel a, a really good friend and before she was someone that i worked with but also when you look at the work side because we work in the same company and when you look at the work side of it, we've worked on like many different projects over the last few years and or just helping each other. And we now I think we have such a great working relationship. Take the friendship out of it, we can now work so much better together because I yeah. think we know each other so well and how we how we worked on the or work on the podcast, because we understand each other, we now we can now relate that to the workplace and that's such a that's surprising because it's an added benefit and I wouldn't have expected that. But yeah, it's um it's a good thing. You know your boss isn't listening, Andrew, don't you? 
Yeah, I do know. She, she does, my boss doesn't listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you say that. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had your voices recognised or somebody surprising has listened to your show? I have. I have actually too, Adam, and I was really shocked. Um, I, I live in quite a small place and uh, I was out for a friend's birthday and a mutual friend said, oh, I know you from somewhere. And I was like, oh, right, okay. And I, I'm in the local theatre here and you know we do like small productions things like a low low and and uh, those kind of like novelty things and um and yeah no she went oh no it's your voice oh my god are you Rachel <laughs> and I was like yes and it was quite cool I'm quite embarrassed about the sound of my voice when I listen to episodes but it was quite cool getting recognized go on Andrew your turn yeah, when I, it happened when I was at CrimeCon. I know, um, I was with you in, yeah. in the cafe when it happened, yeah. Yes, yeah, well, it actually happened twice at CrimeCon, but yeah, no, it's, um, and it's crazy when someone says, I know your voice, and it's just like, I know you probably get it quite often, Adam, but but it was just like, I was like, wow, this is like someone I've never met in my life before, and yet I'm suddenly having a conversation with them because they listen to what we do and they've taken an interest, yeah, it's it's. It's, it's such an it's such an ego boost, isn't it? But it's so awesome. Tell me, it makes me think of as well. You know, when we discussed before we started, the usual thing about the dodgy reviews from the person sitting in their mum's bedsit um, that, that annoys us. But then when we get the good reviews, it's fantastic. But then I try and think, what's it like if you're like, um, I don't know, Harry Styles or someone? The amount of yeah. reviews, good and bad, and the publicity you get, I, it's, it's, I think it's made me realise just how much, just how well they handle the the real fame that they get. Oh yeah, and especially if they're like if they're being interviewed by journalists who they've known to like throw them under a bus in the past. Yeah. But I was gonna say, Adam, what surprises me the most about um our listeners is when they comment like, Oh, you um you didn't look how I expected. And I'm <laughs> dying to know what they thought I look like versus what I do. Um I don't know about do you get that a lot, Adam? Well, I, I whenever people say that, I get it all the time because I do these weekly videos now, and I always do my stock response. I know younger and better looking than you thought, huh? Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> That's all you can say. And with you two, same as like um, Bethan and Mark on Seeing Red that we discussed earlier, everyone just assumes that you're married, right? You did, Adam, to begin I with. I did. <laughs> yes. Um, I did not realise that. A, a, a long time ago in Bethlehem. Yeah, you thought yeah. we were married, but... Um, I don't know because I talk about my wife so much on the yeah. podcast, don't I? But um, you know, no, I've had actually. But you're the only one that's thought we were married. But um... <laughs> can I just say, my other half, he doesn't even listen to the show because he can't stand true crime. But they do say opposites attract. So yes. can't stand true crime. That is can't weird. Stand isn't it. it. Weird. Can't stand it. I know. What whatever does he watch on Netflix? <laughs> Okay, so let's uh, let's move on to what advice have you got for plenty of people out there now who want to start their own podcast? Tell me what you would advise them. I would say be prepared to put the effort in and be prepared that you have to really enjoy what you do because you, if you think you're going to turn up and get instant fame or lots of listeners, then that may come in time. But it will only come if you really love what you do because it comes across in your voice and it people can tell if you're just doing it by numbers or you're doing it because you've got a passion. So if you love what you do, it will become easy and you've got a better chance of actually getting listeners. And if you don't, then it'll become a chore and people will have to tell when they hear you. So 
find something it doesn't have to be true crime but find something that you'll love to do i listen to occasionally a podcast on D D, no dungeons and dragons the dice game and um that's 1934 wasn't it am i going wrong here uh no but um, i get more listeners here no no but i listen i want to give you an example i listen to this podcast i know nothing about dungeons and dragons they actually play the game while the podcasting i don't understand a thing that they're saying Mm. i don't play the game i never have done but i love listening to it just as yeah to pass the time because I hear the enthusiasm in the voice yeah. and it just it just makes me smile. I've no idea what they're, they're, they're doing, but I, I have it just to as my almost like um, ASMR music and I just find it fascinating. So that shows that because they're passionate about it, I listen to it even though I have no idea what they're talking about. How about you, Rachel? Is it um, stamp collecting, metal detecting? What sort of podcasts? I don't know. Um, what advice would you give to people listening? I would just say believe in yourself um, and I would say like be passionate absolutely agree with Andrew and also be curious like challenge um, yourself and and challenge the status quo and if you found something that's not out there that you can you know fill in in a gap for then go for it um, yeah and if, if you are passionate about it and curious enough about it and and believe in yourself you will you know make something even if it's just for you know, one or two listeners, and at the outset, it'll all be worth it because you'll get so much from it. I would also um, say, just to add, sorry, I'm going to cut you sorry, off here. Sorry. One thing which you never think would be possible is the likes of you, Adam, and like Mark and Beth from Seeing Red, and Bob and Ali from Tristan Britain, and Paul from the True Crime Enthusiast. In fact, I love Paul's humor, but um, but yeah, like I wouldn't have ever expected like you and these other people to even speak to me or or want to speak to me about this but you're always so friendly and and just so helpful and there, there is a community if you people are not afraid to help you and talk to you are they other podcasters oh i couldn't agree more when, when i first started um i said this to ben and rosie um from they walk amongst at crime con last year Do you know what i did i blocked them on twitter and instagram because i almost didn't want to see what they were doing and i thought it was some big competition it took me about three weeks to realise we're not in competition with each other, is it? It's a big pie for us all to share. And like you, I can't think of a single podcaster that I've ever spoken to who hasn't been fantastic to talk with and helpful, nice, fun, really good bunch of people. It's it's such a collaborative community and I have to pinch myself every time I listen to a show that refers to us or is offered to promote us and like for me, you know, I've been listening to your show, to Seeing Red, um, to Twisted Britain, um, and re- more recently Murder Mile, mm. like so long. And to hear you shout us out, or you know, potentially in the odd episode we've been, you know, referred to for for an episode we've done, and that's just been a mega moment where it makes it all worth it because you guys are like podcast royalty to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm still relatively new to it all like um so yeah it's it's really spectacular how supportive everyone is and and, and our listeners i mean we sh- all of us share um, many similar listeners and I-, I love the fact that they're so engaged in our communities as well aren't they yeah absolutely we see so much more interaction um we love getting feedback you know we do get the odd strange review but that's fine because any feedback is good feedback it makes you think 
it makes you reflect and uh it, it you know you rubbish go... rachel some of it's absolute garbage well we've not had you know we probably haven't had a scrap of what what you've had to face adam but uh yeah <laughs> no there is it's, it's, and sometimes if there's weeks and you can't be bothered life gets in the way it is my listeners i'm sure it's the same with you it actually gets you through and makes sure you keep on delivering yeah i I remember you saying, sorry, Andrew, but I remember, Adam, you saying that you were late um, publishing an episode by a day and people reached out and said, are you okay? Yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? Like how lovely and how caring and how thoughtful of people to be like, hang on, this isn't like Adam. I hope he's okay. Yeah, it's it's only because um, Andrew um, shared his Dungeons and Dragons um, podcast and I was listening to it. I just couldn't Mm -hmm. stop listening, Andrew. It's great. No, but you're right. And we've, we've got one special... We've got lots of special listeners, but there's one listener who she messages me and we talk about the the episodes, but she also was like, yeah, she's doing really good and I can see how you're, like, you're improving and you're growing in confidence and almost like a cheerleader, but you're so, yeah. like, so, if you had that, if you had that person as a friend, you'd consider them a great friend. Mm. And yeah, our listeners are special and wonderful, just like yours, Adam. Apart and they're with you, don't they? And, and they're good friends as well, aren't they? Some of them now, they, yes. they genuinely are. Yes, definitely. If you were going to interview any figure in the world of crime, past or present, who would it be and why? I'll let Andrew go first. Oh, I was hoping you would go first. And who would it be and <laughs> who would it be and why? I think, do you know what? I would probably love to interview, even though it's not really true crime related, I'd love to interview like a combination of the person who discovered DNA and then the person who first started using it to solve true crime cases, true crime mm. cases, that'd be such a, just to, to understand how that happened, like how they started, first started using it and how they felt, but then also how the person who created, uh, they discovered it in the first place, how see, see it in action, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I would actually like to interview, um, like, so I, I actually went recently to uh, the makings of a murderer at uh, the local theatre. And obviously I'd listened to your pod um, before going, Adam, where you interviewed him. And I remember... That's David said, Swindle, right? Top yeah, guy, David yeah. Swindle. Yeah. And I remember you saying about how, like, you watched his show and then you had all these questions for him. And at the end of the show, I was like... Oh my god! Yeah, I could, I could have, I could have carried on asking him his personal thoughts and opinions, perhaps not ones that he would have shared with an auditorium full of like nine hundred people, but just the curiosity that I had towards some of the cases he'd touched on and some of his frustrations as well in, in his mm. life, and the fact as well that he had spent so many years in the police force in Scotland and he'd done so well climbing up the ranks. But now for the fact that he he spends his time, you know, championing causes for the victims and their families, um, especially those overseas, but also touring the UK and further afield, telling the stories of how you can't commit the perfect crime and you will always get caught and there are evil people out there and this is what to watch out for. Like, he's never going to rest, is he? he? Like, the passion that he has... To help people will never die, and, and the poor man will like he'll probably be going well into his retirement, won't he? With with these tours and all of the charity work that he does, 
Um, so yeah, I'd probably want to sit down with him and and kind of dive in a bit deeper and 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 other like retired detectives and talk about their life and you know how they how they close that chapter. What, what I like about what I like about David Swindle in particular is he was a chief superintendent, I think, in um, Glasgow Central, and he's dealing with people like Peter Tobin. Yeah. To, yeah. to get to that level in a tough city when he was doing this job in Glasgow. He's yeah. got to have so much. It's not just about doing the job, is it? It's all the other stuff that you need to be successful. Those interpersonal skills, relationships, you know, negotiating, all that stuff. That's the thing that he he's very modest about. But he he must be incredibly talented. Yeah, and 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 that coupled with what he has seen, how he compartmentalizes that and carries on. Like he he was explaining um, as part of the tour that he'd he'd gone to the scene of a a crime. And this woman had had her head taken off by her ex-partner in her garden. And no one could prepare him to walk into someone's house and through their house and into the back garden to what he was about to see. But that was a re- like for him, a regular recurrence of what am I going to see here and how you overcome that as well, you know, and, and carry on putting your shirt on every day and going to work. Interesting, isn't it? And I, I think this in our podcast, I wonder if you do as well when I'm doing it. We often talk about the police and the other first responders going to these scenes, don't we? And the resilience that they must have built up. They walk into these scenes and they know what they might be facing. But how do they sleep at night? I agree yeah. with you. I've been um, of late watching a lot of um, documentaries on 9-11. Um, I found myself more curious um, about, you know, especially following the 20-year anniversary, there was a lot more kind of content um, online and uh, on the streaming services. And um, every time I watch something, and it's not that regularly, but I always think to those those 911 responders um, in that call centre that day, the, the voices they must have heard and the things they must have heard and the images that they must have seen coming through on the televisions in comparison to speaking with people on the phone who were trapped, um, harrowing, absolutely harrowing. And, you know, the the trauma that they deal with and after such an event, like, it's just life-changing, can't it be? Let me just add in two more bits. So the one person I interviewed that really interested me was um, Professor David Wilson, someone who knows so much, top criminologist. And the person, the people I would like to interview the most would be the parents of Madeleine McCann, actually, if I could speak to them properly um, and find out how they've coped with what they've been through, whatever you may think of them, to go through what they've been through. It must have been one hell of an experience. I mean, yeah, how do you break that down over the past you know what has it been now 16 years mm. or is it longer is it 2007 she went missing i think so um yeah they they've been through the accusations the um judgment the humiliation um you know the, oh god they've just had it all haven't they and and right now as well it's all just getting um you know, brought back up, isn't it? Making headline news of the searching of the, was it the um, reservoir in Portugal, about a seven minute drive away from the apartment block? Like, would, would Andrew, would you and Rachel ever consider covering that case on your podcast? I would cover it if we had a conclusion, I think. Yeah. I don't think I could do it beforehand because there's just so much what ifs and it's such a polarizing subject as well. Yeah. With people, people 
unfortunately, when you don't have resolutions about something, people have a belief, and it doesn't matter if that belief has actually a fact behind it. So some people believe they killed her. Some people believe they should be in jail for leaving her in a room, and some people believe they are like victims and they've done nothing wrong. And some people believe it was this German guy that did it. Some people believe that she was kidnapped and put into like like sex slavery. There's so many different... I wouldn't want to fall down that trap. So I would only do it if there was a concrete conclusion. And mm. then we could then we could look at the facts properly. And we could also do a proper timeline. And you could bring these things, aspects into the story by saying, like introducing them and discounting the ones which weren't mm. true. So only if there was a conclusion, yeah. Okay. Um. Final question. I know we're running out of time. So final question. What next for your podcast? What next is we have, and it's a little bit delayed, but we have, we're planning on structuring our, our Patreon, but I'm um, bringing extra content, but we also, for our normal feed, we have uh, located a an ex-police officer that we're going to mm. interview. Now, we've gone down a different route. So most people, like you talk about um, David Swindle and and. Yeah, the, these people are amazing. But we want to interview someone who just does the day-to-day job. Yeah. Who is, isn't, isn't famous and hasn't been on any famous cases. And they're going to speak to us, this person, well, he's going to speak to us about how he got taught to profile and why some things happen. You say, like, press conferences and stuff like that. And things that have happened on just a beat job. So we're a little bit behind, but we are... He's committed to being interviewed by us. I uh, was going to say anonymous, but um, but yeah, it, it it should be fascinating. I think um, it should be fascinating. But overall, for the podcast, we have we have plans to maybe diversify our content, don't we, Rachel? So to beef up YouTube a little bit better okay. and to yeah. um, to have some written content as well. But but they're long term plans. We're looking forward to hosting a live. Um... At the end of next month as well. Oh, great. The end of June uh, for our Patreon subscribers. Um, so that's going to be interesting. We're going to take on a, a case. We're going to try something a little different with the case as well. So uh, yeah. it'll be it'll be really cool. But we're just we're just in that kind of um, that moment of like trying a couple of new things and seeing what works out. And, you know, we're young enough in our podcast kind of journey to um try take feedback on board and see what people like you know without the risk of like um you know um alienating some of our listeners there we love getting feedback so as we try these things we love to to know what works what doesn't and that's the great thing about podcasting isn't it there's no rules you don't report to anyone you do what you want produce great content people can listen to it you say that adam but very early on i think maybe the first episode we recorded rachel told me you definitely can never record naked. Um, so, you know, that tends to be a rule I have to stick to. So yes, there, are, right you, right? yeah, there are some rules. Um, me and Rachel say nothing. Rachel, yeah. any comment? No, nothing else to add. No, no comment. comment. Well, on that bombshell, um, Andrew, um, on that bombshell, on that fully clothed bombshell, um, thank you ever so much for joining me today for this special episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Adam. That's been a real pleasure and uh, lovely to have uh, chatted all things uh, true crime with you. Great. Thanks, Andrew. Have a good day. Same to you. Stay happy. And thank you ever so much for listening. And join me on Tuesday for my normal episode. Until then, take it easy. And of course, stay classy. Cheerio for now.
selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! <sighs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> Smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. 